welcome to another episode of No Ops Podcast, your podcast where opposition may be the topic, but the resolution is the focus. I am your host, Naisha D, and alongside of me is my guy, Elijah James Jr. Here we are, another episode of No Ops Podcast. Today's uh, guest we have is Amanda Kuntz. Um, The topic today is her story, the making of a captain. Um, I guess we can start by Amanda introducing yourself. Let us know um, who you are, where you're from, your accomplishments, and we'll go from there. We're going to be here a long time. Right. (laughs) Okay, so my name is Amanda Kuntz. I am a retired captain from the Irvington Police Department. Hey, Mandy. Hey. (laughs) I grew up in the city of Newark, uh, born and raised, lived in almost every part of Newark (laughs) except for North Newark in the port. That's where I'm from. Right. So I lived on Dayton Street, Dayton Street Projects, West Kenny Street Projects, Building 7, Rose Street Little Brick Projects, Georgia King Village, 440 Washington Street, wow. Brick Towers, Grumman Avenue, and did I say Georgia King Village? Yes. Yes. Okay. Georgia King Village and the Colonnades. Wow. Wow. Right. So I have been through many of the Newark school systems mm-hmm. <clears throat> as well. Um, my mother became a Muslim when I was two. So I went to the University of Islam, Clara Muhammad, up into the fifth grade. And then I went to Dayton Street School. From there, I went to Quitman Street School. I went to 8th Street School, Dr. Martin Luther King. And um, I went to University High. Okay. Briefly. Did not like it. Um, (laughs) School started in July. School started in July. Oh. Right. So um, what happened was I uh, decided that I wanted to go to Central with my friends. and My mother wasn't having none of it. So I had taken a test for a boarding school in North Carolina. It's called Laurenburg Institute, now Laurenburg College Prep. And uh, I took the test. I didn't want to pass the test, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be called dumb, you know. So Mm -hmm. even though I didn't want to go away to school, I took the test, passed the test, and I ended up going to a boarding school in North Carolina for my freshman year. Culture shock. Culture shock. Um, The girls, there may have been 32 girls and 150 boys. Right. Our school produced athletes. Football players, basketball players, and some musicians. Dizzy Gillespie, he's a a, a graduate. Um, A few other football and basketball players. I'm not going to go all into those. But um, my experience at Laurenburg Institute as a 13-year-old going on 14 was um, a little difficult at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had rules. The girls had to be locked in at 8 o'clock. So my brother... He's two years older than I am. He went as well. He got kicked out the first month. <laughs> when he got kicked was it out, the rules? it was the rules okay. and the way they talked to you. The discipline uh, was was really um, 
not good. There was a coach there that was really, really mean. He didn't allow the girls to talk to the uh, players. So my brother didn't like that discipline. So he ended up getting kicked out. And so I wanted to follow. Mm -hmm. So I ended up cursing out the principal owner of the school. And of course, I got kicked out. Came back to Newark. This is within a two-month period now. Came back to Newark in the ninth grade, no school to go to. And so at this point, my mother's sending me to Central. So hung around until she tried to get me in. Within a two-week period, I was set up to go to Central. And I thought the two months that I was in Laurenburg really struck me. When I found out how many people had graduated from there that were successful, it was a Black-owned school, the last Black-owned school founded in 1907 by Dr. McDuffie. Dr. McDuffie, Mary Bacloud Bethune, and a few other um, Black activists and educators started these normal and um, industrial institutes. Some mm-hmm. were colleges, as we know, right. and some were universities. And um, my school was a high school, but you could do two years of college there as well. Right. So, like during the course of the four years? Yes. Gotcha. And that only really applied to the athletes. They didn't let us do it because we had athletes come from different countries, Jamaica, uh, Haiti, Virgin Islands, which is still here, mm-hmm. um, Africa. And so um, when they came to the American system, they could lose credits. Mm-hmm. So Laurenberg allowed them to do two years of college. So they went right into college and they got to go to Duke and, you know, very um, good universities. So that two months after I got home and I was able to go register for Central, I told my mom I wanted to go back to North Carolina to school. And she was shocked. So I called the principal, Dr. McDuffie, the one that I cursed out. You called yourself, okay. Called myself and asked him, could I come back? And they allowed me to come back. Look at God. And I went back. The thing is, that school cost, at that time, it was $5,000 a year. Mm -hmm. My mother could not afford it. Um, My mom had eight children. And um, where do you, where are you placed within the age? I children? am the third youngest. Okay, I have a younger sister and a younger brother. My younger brother and I are ten months apart, and my sister is two months apart. And the rest of my brothers and sisters are older. So, um, what happened? So I, I I asked to go back, and my mom couldn't really afford it, so she made an arrangement with with Doctor McDuffie in the school. So I went back. Most of the students there, if they weren't athletes, they, they came from families with money. Gotcha. So um, I had a roommate. You know, um, they had everything. They got food packages and all those things I did not get. I learned how to eat with the correct utensils, place settings, and all that because um, I had to work at the school. They invented work study. So I, I think I was the first person at Longberg Institute to um, be the work-study new person. There's a lot of firsts in life, Yeah. So did you do work-study to bring in funding uh, to pay for your schooling? Or was that just a program that they put out and then you just happened to be the first person to? It was a program that they put out to get money 
that they could not get from my mom because you did mm-hmm. not get scholarships to mm-hmm. go to Laurenburg, mm-hmm. really, because it was um, a private-owned black school. So, um, you know, and I told Dr. McDuffie when I asked to come back, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, you know, and um, that that was it. And uh, so I worked. So my mom only had to pay $100 a month. Oh. Right. Um, and, and that was good. I um, My experience there... Did cheerleading, um, learned a lot, very good school academically. I ended up skipping, graduating at 16, and I went to the University of North Carolina. Oh, wow. Um, I had a chaperone there. Get to University of North Carolina. I am a party animal. I love the clubs. Mm-hmm. I love to dance to this day. So my chaperone. I convinced her to get me a fake ID with her name on it. Mm -hmm. Her name was Emily Bailey. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen her since. And so we We love you, Emily. Right. Right. Thanks, Emily. Emily. (laughs) So, I mean, I I had a really good time there. I did excellent my first two years. I had a partial scholarship Mm -hmm. and I had work study at the college and the the Pell Grant. So after two years, the uh, tuition went up. Could not afford it. My mom wasn't giving me any money. My dad, no money. So I decided that I was going to go to the Army. And um, that's what I did. I signed up for the Army, left school, signed up for the Army. This is, I'm sorry, you're like a junior at this time when you signed up for the Army? I completed my sophomore year. I would have been a junior, yes. I signed up for the Army. Okay. So you were just 18, barely? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was a little over 18 by then. Okay. Yep. And uh, so I signed up for the Army, the Army Reserves. First mm-hmm. was the, the Army Reserves. And so because I said they had the GI Bill, mm-hmm. you go to the reserves, you can uh, get money mm-hmm. to go to school. And I said, if I like the Army, then I'll just stay and sign up. So I was contemplating that, just going regular Army. Meantime, I'm home on leave, and uh, my girlfriend and I, we just went to take the test. My dad is a retired sergeant from the Essex County Police Department. Okay. And so um, he said, take the test. So I took the test. I didn't remember quite taking the test, but I did take the test during one of my breaks from the reserves. And um, a few months later, I'm not sure how long it was, I got the results back, and um, I passed. And I passed, I think I came out number eight on the list. And I never really wanted to be a cop. Even though my dad was an officer, my dad never lived with us. And I didn't have much interaction with him until I became an adult. I mean, he would come by. I knew he was dad. But, you know, there was really not much interaction with me. He had more interaction with my brother. So, um, is that the brother that went to North Carolina? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he's he's a junior. He's named after my father. Okay. So we have seven siblings. Is eight of you? It's eight. Right. Okay. Is eight of you, and your relationship with your dad was not as consistent, right? Right. And so you became an adult, right? And your mom, um. She was willing to send you off to something that was better than what you were getting in North. So what I'm hearing the story so far is like you're you're focused, you're dedicated. Where did where did you get that from? Like, where did that energy come from? Like, I know what I want, so I'm gonna go out and get it. Is that something that you've seen in house or were 
Is that something you've seen somewhere else? Okay. Um, so I'll back up a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to Muslim school, my mom, there's three sets of children, different fathers, okay. different husbands. Okay. So my older siblings, four of them, stayed with their father. Okay. So the other four, the four of us was with my mom. My mom decided to move to Florida. I was doing so well at Clara Muhammad Muslim School, and I also went to Springfield Avenue Community Center, which is Mary E. Willer on uh, 10th Street. So I went to two schools. So at the time, my mom said that I was so smart that they didn't want me to leave the school to go to Florida. So my mother left me with my grandmother. That by the, I was probably about five, okay. five or six. So I stayed with my grandmother for a few years. And um, during that time, my grandmother taught me a lot, you know, washing clothes, hanging clothes up, cleaning up, make your bed up before you get out. It's just a bunch of good stuff, mm-hmm. good stories. My grandmother was like my life, mm. just an amazing woman. And um, she came from Georgia in 19... 19- 1922 at age 16. So she had a uh, sixth grade education. Uh, she read the newspaper every day, though. I couldn't understand that, but that's how she taught herself mm-hmm. to read. So anyway, I think I got my main base from my grandmother. Okay. Now, prior to my mom going to Florida, we would move. I, I already listed right. the times that we moved, and there was other times in between that that I don't remember. Gotcha. But those are the locations that I remember because my mom was struggling. Uh, my mother was a high school dropout, married at 17, and had four children by the age of 22, 23, okay. the first set. So. Okay. My grandmother was my mother's solid rock as well. So when we were in between apartments, we would always move back with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, that that's to, to bring you up to speed with that. So my mom came back from Florida. And, and you're how old right now? At this age, I probably was about eight. Okay. And uh, when my mom came back, we moved into... We moved at 440 Washington Street, and I had to move back with my mom, and I didn't want to, but mm-hmm. I did. And then um, fast forward, when I got to the sixth grade, now, I told you I lived on Dayton Street, mm-hmm. Brick Towers. These were areas that were considered bad at mm-hmm. the time. Being a Muslim back then, wearing the longs, which my mother made us wear in the crazy clothes, mm-hmm. um, we got picked on a lot. So it was the four of us. Now, we had another set of brothers and sisters who lived in West Kenny Street Projects where we used to live um, when I was very small, but they still lived there with their father. Was your relationship strong with them? Um, they came over a lot. They babysit us. My old, My second oldest sister, my two oldest sisters, Tony and Michelle, they babysit us. I could not stand my sister Michelle. She was pure evil. She was <laughs> she mean. She even named the sister. <laughs> yeah, she was very, very, very mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her to death now. We're super, super close. But at, as a kid, <laughs> oh, my God, she was so mean. She took us everywhere to movies and things like that, but she was very mean. But um, wearing longs and going to Dayton Street School or going out to play, kids used to tease us. Mm-hmm. So I had always ended up in a fight. 
I was always a fight. I had to protect my brothers and sisters and the brother that's older than me. You know, we always had to fight because mm-hmm. people would tease us right. because we were Muslims. Mm-hmm. And and one thing about Islam back then, they taught us self-defense. You know, we had mm-hmm. to take karate classes and all that. And, um, you know, not that you really knew how to do it, but people mm-hmm. always thought that Muslims did. Mm-hmm. So when people tried to bother my sisters or brothers or pick on me, I would get out in a karate <laughs> stand to try to intimidate people. I'd pick up... Oh, I would gosh. pick up a stick or something. I was very tiny, short. I'm, I'm only five, one and a half. Mm-hmm. So um, through that, I ended up making <laughs> friends with the bad kids because okay. they was like, okay, she's tough. So, um, And that happened every time we moved. If you think about uh, the times that I told reset, you, keep right, resetting, keep resetting. Right. and then go to a new school because I stopped going to Clara Muhammad. Each time you go to a school, someone try to bully you, you move in a different area. Someone tried to bully you, and we were always in public housing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just always a fighter. And then I had my crew. So, all right. So being raised in North, like you said, each school, each time you had to defend yourself, right? How was that transition from always having to be in defense physically to move into North Carolina? Was there like a same sort of fight? Physical or mental? Like, how was how was that difference? Okay. Now, going to North Carolina, I was one of the youngest students, but I had those experiences already okay. from fighting. Right. So I get there, and you have the rich girls. There were, There's one in particular, bully, Choo Choo, they called her. And the first day I'm there, they make you go to this Vesper, which is like a Christian program mm-hmm. where, you know— and I'm Muslim. Right. So right then and there, I don't want to be there. But I, I asked to be back there. So I said I was going to do whatever I had to do. Mm-hmm. I was in a choir. I mean, I'm telling you, a choir, even though um, it wasn't all church songs, but I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I learned to me- read music there. I, le- I learned a mm-hmm. lot. But my first day back, wow. well, it could have been the second day. We're at Vespa. That's on a Wednesday. The girl, Choo Choo, sitting behind me. Now, she's like 17, mm-hmm. a senior. Okay. So it was like, we're going to bully her because, you she's know, she's new and, and she's new. a baby. Mm-hmm. So she kept kicking my chair. So I said, would you please stop kicking my chair? Turned around. She was like, you know, <laughs> who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm talking to you. And she kicked it again. Oh, okay. So I said, all right. We get out. <laughs> now, she's bigger than me, of course. But my whole thing has always been. Um, if you don't have a gun and a knife and you're a girl, mm-hmm. this is, was my thinking. Mm-hmm. Not that I think that way now and as I got, that you couldn't hurt me, mm-hmm. you know. So that, and if you beat Damn. me up, it's okay. I am not going to be dead. Right. And, right. and that's, the, that's what I, you know, that's the way I thought about it. Got whoopings in Muslim school with the ruler. My mother whooped my behind, you know, so. Can't get no worse than that. Right. right. My sister Michelle beat the heck out of me and she was big, so. I was not right. letting Choo Choo run me. Right. Vespa's <laughs> over. She follows me to the dorm. Yeah. As soon as we get to the dorm, she's just like, who you think you were saying? You know, just little mm-hmm. stuff behind my back, you know, while I'm walking. So I just turned around and punched her dead in the face. She wasn't ready. Was not she ready. She wasn't ready. And I just went off on her. From that point on, I had a reputation for the whole school, my whole three years there. I never pick with people, but they didn't bother me. And it's like I got a little following. And then not only that, I always felt like 
coming from Islam and, and you know, North, I always felt like I had a story or some type of teachings that I can give, mm-hmm. you know, the girls there and mm-hmm. the guys and, and receive stuff from them too, because mm-hmm. they were mostly well off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we learned from each other. But after that, I never had another experience until this one girl, uh, my senior year, uh, ended up having a fight with her. She was like real big, like a guy, basketball player, blah, blah, blah. She was huge. And um, I ended up hitting her with a bed rail. They had these bed rails back in the day. Because, listen, this girl was huge. I got you. I was like, I got you. Now, she kind of looked like a man. I'm like, I'm not taking no punches. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and this quick. Yeah, and, and, and that's terrible. I sound I sound like a violent person, but I really wasn't. No, you're really you don't good. sound but like no, you're violent. You sound but like yes. you probably always had to fight and yeah. defend. So, yeah. And I felt like I had to hit them first because if they got me as small as mm-hmm. I am, it, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. So, But after that, during that experience, I excelled in PSAT, SAT. I did really well, so good in school that I skipped from the 10th to the 12th grade because I wanted to make Dr. McDuffie, who allowed me to come back there and give me that experience, proud, and my mom too. And then I thought, if I graduated, if I worked as hard as I could and skipped, then I'm thinking skipped. And I don't know if they ever skipped anyone, but this is my mindset. I can hurry up, go to college, graduate, get a job, and do things for myself, be on my own, have a stable home. You know, I'm thinking all of this stuff. And I've always thought that. And sure enough, I got skipped. And, um, you know, that experience, again, at Lombard, um, was life lasting. I learned so much about Black history every day. Um, there was uh, history lessons. There things that, um, you know, regular people don't know because mm-hmm. it was a Black-owned school. Um so it, it gave me a lot of history. It gave me a lot of culture. It made me strong. It made me proud, in addition to coming from Islam, because that's what that movement was in mm-hmm, the 70s right. and the 80s, to, to empower you know, black people, not necessarily separate, but to have pride in yourself. So how did you end up back in New Jersey? So when I joined the Army, mm-hmm. after I, I joined the Army Reserves, I was at Fort Dix and stationed here. Okay. And that's when I took the police test. Okay. Yeah. And um, once I found out the results, then that changed my whole mindset. I got excited about it. And um, I, I went through the whole process. I got hired by the Essex County Police Department, mm-hmm. um, which they were in charge of all the county roads, parks, and so forth. So it was myself and another young lady, half uh, Caucasian and half Hispanic. I was the only black person. And there was one Caucasian woman that was there briefly for a few months prior to me getting there, and she ended up leaving. So it was 145 officers, and there was only two females when I graduated. Mind you, my father started that department in 1968. Hmm. Um, He ended up suing the department. When he first started the department, they just dropped him off in the park. He couldn't even drive a car. So that's a whole history with black um, getting into law enforcement in in the 60s. Can you explain that more? Like when you say that they just dropped him off in the park. And being black in law enforcement, like how did how did that look? What do you mean by dropped him off in the park? 
Okay, so the responsibilities of the Essex County Police Department back then, which is is disbanded. There's no more Essex County Police Department. Okay. But they were responsible for all of the parks in Essex County, Weekway, Branchbrook, Belleville, Wasesson. So you have to ride around the park, make sure people are out by 10 and report if anyone broke into anything. That was that was your responsibility, patrolling mm-hmm. the park. So as a black man, they would drop him off in a police car, and that's where his eight-hour shift. So he would have to walk around the park, could not ride in a police car. Then they'll come pick him up at the end of his shift. Of course, that didn't last too long with my dad. They ended up um, filing a class action suit for that and several other um, issues that they were having, promotional issues. And that was, of course, way prior prior to me getting there. So that was some of the struggles. So during this process, once I became a police officer at the county with my dad, we got to be very close. I got to know his story. Um, in fact, because I was his daughter, they were trying not to hire me. Right. And so my dad went to an organization called the New Jersey Council and the Batons, mm-hmm. which was a black organization of law enforcement corrections um, back then that fought for the rights of African-Americans on these departments. And so they were going to skip me. And um, my dad went to this organization, and they made phone calls, and they made sure I was in that class. And um, so from the gate, the county police, um, I'm not saying all of them, but the administration at that time, some in the administration was not happy about me being there. So, okay, um, being dropped off inside of the park, right, not having a car, and that's just eight hours. Was there anything else that he endured or experienced outside of just being dropped off in the park, being a black officer? Well, um, of course, the way they talk to you, um, his story, you know, from the things he he would tell me um, as far as being an officer, certain supervisors, um you know, would give him the worst jobs when they were able mm-hmm. to ride ride in a car. They would give them, like, the worst park, maybe the worst shift, mm-hmm. um, you know, things of that nature. As some of the older people start to leave, my dad ended up getting promoted to sergeant. Um, he didn't have as many issues as, um, again, some of the people um, that started to leave. But he, there still was some there that you know, still had that mentality. So um, he didn't fill me in on everything that happened to him, but those were the major things um, that, you know, he he could recall or, or would tell me. The only reason why I asked that, because I feel like it's important that you actually expressed or conveyed that, because people that I know in the community, when they hear law enforcement or when they think about police officers, it's like, Everyone is together and they're against the community, like not even understanding that we as black or brown people still go through our own things, even being in law enforcement. So to hear that, yeah, you know, I'm in law enforcement, but I'm still black and I still have my own struggles and I still went through, you know, whatever it is that I went through. I think it's important for people to hear that listeners to hear that because you immediately think once you become blue or once you become a cop. Like, 
you being black is just completely washed away. Right. And that's the crazy thing. Can you imagine <clears throat> what he went through? Because he, he wasn't accepted by his organization and he wasn't accepted by his people. Right. Where does he live? Like he, mm-hmm. So he goes to work. He has to deal with all the bullshit just because of his color and, and of course, the time. And then when he's out of work, he's not really accepted by his community. Right. So he's just he's just a, he's just an island by himself, floating. Right. Nobody to go to really, except for I guess his family. That's a fucking lot of pressure. Yes. It's like a lot to carry. So okay, so you both, both of you, you and your father was a part of the Essex County. I'm sorry, what is it called again? Essex County Police Department. Police Department. Mm-hmm. Okay, knowing that your dad went through whatever injustices that he went through um, at that time, did you go through anything? Going through the process and being a part of the Essex County Police Department, and <laughs> I see, I see the smile on mm-hmm. your face. What yeah. were there any experiences that you went through personally that you can share with us? Whether it's being black, whether it's being a woman, right? You know, like what what did you endure? Okay, so in the academy, the academy at that time, yeah, the police the academy, right was ran by the Essex County Police Department. So Mm -hmm. there was a particular captain there that um, definitely I knew he didn't like my dad because he sure did not like me. And he constantly used to uh, call me in the office and he wanted me to cut my hair shorter, Mm -hmm. right? And um, he was, they said that back then your hair just could not touch the collar. Okay. Now, black girls and their hair, especially back then. Mm-hmm. Now, out of all my mother's girls, I'm the brown one. Everyone else is light with the hair. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I've, I have hair, but it's very coarse and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And at that time, for me to cut off all my hair the way he wanted it, because that wasn't the rule, as long as it didn't cut your, touch your collar, um, I was okay, and I was going to stand up for myself, but respectfully, mm-hmm. because I remember I had already been in the Army. I was still in the reserves, mm-hmm. so I did have a military bearing and discipline mm-hmm. to be respectful. However, if you are not following the rules yourself, I'm going to address it and let you know. Okay. So um, I did cut my hair in the back. I cut it with it would not... Touched the collar, collar, but I still had a little hair, and I would braid it. And because I had coarse hair, I had a way to do a a wipe over where you couldn't see my two corn braids, and it was shaved in the back and the side, so it was okay. But um, I did point out to him, um, you know, the rules, and from that point on, he was on me. But the good part about it was I was number one in PT. I could run. I could do the push-ups. We had to do pull-ups. Women had to do pull-ups. Mm, By the time you finished the academy, you had to do seven pull-ups. They've since stopped that. The pull-ups, uh, be honest, I can only do one. But when mm. I left there, I was doing like 10. Okay. Never did another pull-up after the academy. <laughs> but it was like I had to prove myself. Right. As far as the books and the, the book, you know, the classes and stuff, I did well on all the tests, um, the drilling ceremony. I did excellent in all of that. Um, there was one particular lieutenant from the county police who um, who was very, very fair and very good to me. And we're friends to this day. Um, he's done several tours in Iraq. Uh, 
not that he's a military person, but he does some um, freelancing something out there. Um, so so he 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 was one of the the uh, people at the county police that during that academy mm-hmm. that was not a part of that racist group, I would say. Um, so being that I did well academically, beat most of the guys, a lot of them, many of the guys mm-hmm. in, in the running and, um, you know, um, push-ups and stuff like that. They couldn't do anything, couldn't touch me. Graduate from the police academy. I start my, my career at the Essex County Police Department. They put me on midnights with a 400-pound officer to ride with. Mm-hmm. Now, Talk about I'm just out of the academy. I want to go, 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 go. I want to go. And they put me with this 400-pound guy. And so anyway, we go to the park, Weekway Park, and then we go up to the hills, which is a track now. And he just parks and want to sit. And I'm like, oh, no, we have to ride around. So immediately I'm bossing him around. I'm mm-hmm. the rookie. Mm-hmm. And ended up saying, look, I don't sleep. I need to be riding around. I'm new, this, that, and the other. So, you know, convinced him. So we driving around all night. We stopped at Krause's a hundred times a night so they can get coffee and drinks and all this stuff. He meets up with another guy who they both were very nice. Mm-hmm. He meets up with another guy that was overweight. Um, he Every time he gets out of the police car, he have a cigarette in his hand <laughs> and a cup of coffee. Okay. I was like, this can't be what policing is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was very disgusted. But I, I, you know, eventually I got to ride with a couple of the black guys and, and some of the other aggressive, um, I won't say aggressive, but they didn't sleep. Okay. Um, Caucasian guys um, who who I, I still have good relationships with. So it wasn't the whole county. It was certain individuals within the county police that was just downright racist. Okay. So if you are partnering with a Caucasian, whether it's a guy or a woman, right? And here you are, this black woman, and this is probably the community that you're policing. Was there, did you notice like... Um, Ignorance from the Caucasian person, like not understanding where you grew up, how the dynamics was inside the community, where there's situations where something happened and you just had to be like um, school them, basically. Or were these people from the community themselves? Okay. well, that came later on. And I'm going to run through this. The county police, I was only there for 10 months. Number one. What, What year is this, though? This was in 1990. 90. I was there for 10 months because we got laid off. During the time that I did ride with the other guys, um, we were in the park. So we mostly patrolled the park. We didn't patrol, you know, the streets. Once in a blue moon, if we're riding up Bloomfield Avenue or Springfield Avenue and we see something that happens there since it's county roads, mm-hmm. um, we can we can deal with that. There was one incident where we there was a stolen car with a gun, a robbery or whatever. We chased the car into Weekway. There was a foot chase. I caught one guy. My partner caught another guy. Um, Then there was another one because you had a group of guys that liked to chase. Back in the 90s, they used to do donuts and Mm -hmm, it was a lot of stolen mm -hmm. cars. So um, I only had two real good jobs, you know, at the county police. And then we were laid off. Um, 
100 offices. And um, But before I got laid off, every month you get an evaluation okay. when you're new. So um, the captain that was at the academy that did not like me um, had a sergeant who wasn't my sergeant, but he was my sergeant for two days, do my evaluation. He, and he, he ripped me. In two days, he knew enough to say how much work you did exactly. for the month? Okay. He ripped me. Now, mind you, I had those two jobs. So I am like, so the things that stands out, he put them small and stout statue. He feels that I'm incapable of being able to um, get into a struggle with a man because I'm slight in, in stature. Um it was the other other, you know, little attributes that he gave me that I felt um, you know, was first of all discriminatory. Well, right, right, right. And who are you to judge me? Didn't you just look at these two jobs that I had? Like mm-hmm. I I I had a foot chase and I caught one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that didn't matter. He just after your year, if all of your evaluations are bad, of course you're yeah. not gonna be there. Right. So I had a black sergeant, God bless his soul, who has passed away, who was my real sergeant, was on vacation. So I asked him, I'm like, how could he write this evaluation on me? And look at look at what he's saying, I'm short, I'm little, I'm I'm um slight in stature and all these things he didn't think I could do. Like, who is he? So I said, what can I do about this? I said, can I write a rebuttal? He was like, well, no one's ever done it, but I don't see why not. Because my thing is, if you're writing something about me, I should be able to respond. respond. Right, right. Right. So I responded. Because you're accuser, right? Right. And I still look at that report every now and then. (laughs) And um, yeah, and and I pretty much put the jobs in there that I had accomplished um, with a partner. I put in there... um, you know, that I was in the military. I had no problem with uh, hand-to-hand combat or any of the things that I was mm-hmm. taught. I went to the same academy you. As a matter of fact, you're only five inches taller than me because right. I think he was like five, six. Mm-hmm. And, um, Probably soft like you know, tissue. Yeah. And so um, and that was that. And so from that point on, and he was a nice guy, but uh, I saw that he uh, allowed you know, the captain to uh, have him write that. And I never spoke to him ever again because I, I just didn't appreciate that. So ultimately laid off in 10 months. Okay. Couldn't get another job because I hadn't passed my probationary period. Under civil service, you have to pass your one-year probation in order to go to another department. Oh. So you were like in limbo. I was in limbo. That's when um, the uh, lateral transfers came about because 100 county offices were laid off. So if you had your year in probation, you can go to another department that will pick you up. East Orange, Bloomfield, Belleville, Irvington, they picked up offices from the county that got laid off. I couldn't get picked up because I hadn't finished my probation. So I continued to do my reserve duties. I ended up becoming a ruckus police officer. I was a part of the Batons mm-hmm. organization that mm-hmm. helped me get on without them discriminating. I joined that organization, and there was a, a chief of Rutgers Police Department who was black, African-American, um, Jim Rhodes, and um, I applied. I was told to apply. I applied, and I became a Rutgers Police Officer for two years. Wow. During that time, 
I took the Irvington's test, Irvington police test and the North police test. Okay. Rutgers was really good to me. I was the only woman on the department. It was a, I believe, 15, 17 man department, uh, Caucasian and black. I had no problems. I, I, Rutgers uh, Police Department, the chief, um, they were just really good to me. I ended up taking classes. I ended up um, becoming the sexual assault liaison. I went to Rutgers in New Brunswick, did a couple of sit-ins. I did some undercover stuff, you know, because back then the students were locking the teachers in the rooms and locking the doors because they were protesting okay. the increase of college. Um, so Rutgers was very good to me, but it was so small, Rutgers Newark, mm -hmm. that I said, I, I can't do this. I wanted to do something more. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to go to either Irvington or Newark. Irvington, because I graduated with the 25 of those Irvington officers, because when you go to the police department, there's several different departments okay. in the one Okay. Academy. Okay. And so I formed relationships with them. So I did take that test. And of course, North Police, because I was born and raised. Right. And I said, whoever calls me first, that's mm -hmm. where I would go. Mm -hmm. Irvington called me first. But before I went to Irvington, two years of Rutgers, the county police called me back from layoffs. So I went back to the county police because I said at least it's more area than the small area right. of Rutgers. Gotcha. Went back to the county police, got on the narcotics team, stayed there two months. Irvington called me. I was out. Go on. Left. What year were we in now? This was in 1994. 94. Okay. I joined the Irvington Police Department. Okay. Okay. Oh, the Irvington Police Department. Once <laughs> I joined the Irvington Police Department, I believe there may have been one, two, three, four women, four women, two, three of which I graduated from the police academy with. And uh, so out of the four, the three of us were black and two, so that's no, five. five, right. Well, actually... One of the black officers, right before I got there, she quit. Oh, okay. She quit. Okay. So it was four of us. And um, so I'm here at Irvington Police Department uh, in 94. And um, I didn't have to go to the academy. Okay. The class that I came on with that had taken the class, they were at the police academy. Because I had already went through the police academy mm -hmm. with the county police, so I didn't have to go again. Mm -hmm. So I just had to take the test and and start. So that's what I did. Started the Irvington Police Department. After after about six months, I um I worked every shift, day shift for uh, a month, uh, three to eleven and midnights um, was my steady shift for a while. Then uh, six months later, I got on the narcotics team because I was on narcotics just for two months at the county police. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they needed a female. I was a female. I wanted to do it. And um, I did the narcotics. Real quick, when you when you went to Irvington, what was your position? What, what, what you I mean, you obviously you're a retired captain, but. When you went into Irvington, what were you? What was I was your title? just a police officer. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. I was a police officer in Irvington for five years. I had missed the sergeant's exam. Every three years, after your, you have to be on the department for three years before you can take a sergeant's exam. 
I had been on Irvington two years and a half. Some departments allow you to use your military time, especially if it's a couple of months or maybe a year, to take the test. I wasn't allowed to do that in Irvington, so I had to sit and wait three years, which was five years, before I could take the sergeant's exam. So I was a patrol officer for five years. Okay. Okay. Right. (laughs) Thank you for listening to No Ops Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our tiny space, but we also hope you'll take two seconds out of your time to subscribe, like, comment, share, tell your friends, tell your community, go to work, let them know all about us. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.